Attention audience, guess what? That time of the week again. We know what it is. We love it. It's Friday, Friday, Friday Films. Da-da-da. That's right. We're back. Another Friday Films. Still bonding review. Still going strong. The end is nowhere to be seen at the moment, but that's okay because <laughs> we're having fun with this one. Because um, we are back this week with a new Bond. Indeed. Um, and not just a new movie, because yes, it's a new movie, but a new actual Bond. Roger Moore is not in this movie. Instead, who do we have, Eric? Good old Timothy Dalton. That's right. So you should have be familiar with his name for many, many other movies, but also the fact that he's been considered for Bond since um um sean connery left the franchise in the in the 60s so he was just a little too young back then but he finally got his shot this time around i was gonna say I, and i liked him as bond it's a different bond but i liked mm-hmm. him as bond but uh i did when i first watching this i just kept seeing him as the older dalton that i've seen in uh, many other movies and it, just, it took me a little bit to adjust to him being Bond. I'm like, uh, I don't see him as Bond. I see him as this guy. I see him as this guy. I see him as this guy. Uh, okay. Kind of like when we first saw uh, the first movies with Sean Connery, I was kind of like, it took me a little bit to like, I'm not used to the Sean Connery, but okay, he's good Bond. I'll let him go. Yeah. I'm only used to bald old Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This isn't The Rock. What is this? Yeah. Uh, but no, it was, it was good to see a different Bond. Um, I liked him. It was a little different, but uh, we'll get into that. The Living Daylights is the Bond movie of choice this week. Release date of July 31st, 1987. So this is the late 80s Bonds. We're, we're, we're getting closer and closer to those Pierce Brosnan 90s spectacular. I can't wait for this. Um, Runtime of two hours and ten minutes, which is about the current standard for Bond movies. Last couple have been like two hours and ten, two hours and eleven, somewhere around there. Yeah, somewhere around that mark. Yeah. We have a new highest budget. Ooh. We've finally surpassed, surpassed Moonraker. Budget of forty million dollars. Um, but this movie, even though there's not like a super lot of special, of, you know, like sci-fi lasers and whatnot, like Moonraker had. There's a lot of uh, a lot of gadgets, a lot of stunts, a lot of uh, mm-hmm. special like practical special effects things that 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 cost a lot of money. Um, <clears throat> once again, we are directed by John Glenn. If my math serves, this is his what sixth, seventh Bond he's done in a row. He's Tell done a lot that. of I mean, them. It's a good good block of them. Yeah, I mean, I do not remember if he does the next Timothy Dalton one or not, but we'll uh, we'll find out. Um, starring Timothy Dalton, Miram Diabo, um, bear with me if I'm butchering these names, and Jerome Crabb. Um, also starring John Reese davies as well. Uh, yes. As, oh uh, God, I love John Reese davies I was excited to see him in this, yeah. this movie. I, for, I, I, I forgot for, he was in this movie. Yeah, I forgot he was in this one too. Um, I remember it a like, like... I remembered more of this movie than I thought I did because I've said many times before the Timothy Dalton movies are the ones I've seen probably the least. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I had forgotten that he was in it as well until I saw him on screen. I was like, oh, that's right. That's right. And once yeah, I saw it's... him on screen, that kind of triggered my memories of filling in, remembering the plot and, and stuff like that. So That's the thing. Like, I don't remember a lot of this movie as far as the plot and all goes um, because I, I do remember scenes from this movie after rewatching it. Um, more just like the bad guy scenes and stuff towards the end. Um, 
and I just don't think I ever paid attention to it being an actual Bond movie with uh, Dalton as Bond. I just mm-hmm. was like, oh, okay, it's some type of action spy movie. And, you know, whenever it popped up on TV, <laughs> uh, so like it, the some of the scenes came back to me like, oh, I have seen bits and pieces. Of this I just movie. didn't know it was. Bond. I just didn't know what it was. Yeah. <laughs> so just, it was actually kind of neat. Just thought it was a spy flick. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, because again, a lot of these older movies, like I start with Brosman, so a lot of these older movies, I just don't really recall sitting down and watching all the way through. I just like caught bits and pieces of someone's flipping through the channel, like someone's got TV, like, oh, cool, I'm going to watch this. He's like, this is a good old classic movie. I'm like, all right, cool. No clue what we're watching, but it looks good. So, Well, good, sir. Are we ready to roll into the plot? Yeah, let's start. I mean, we, we start, like always, classic gun opening. I don't, I don't know if you knew this one, but it's in color. It was. It, it had it the blood in, in the shaky cam, too, which did the last couple have the blood in the shaky cam? I know at least one did Yeah, before. I think so. Okay. I'm pretty sure it did. Maybe it was just brighter blood this time around. I think it's just because of that color. <laughs> I know. Throws me off it's, every time. That, that color it throws you off every time. <laughs> so from the, cl- from the classic gun barrel intro, in color, we cut to a military beach exercise, a double-O training mission. Where three men jump out of a plane, plane, right? There's a plane flying over or a helicopter? Yeah, it was, it was a, a plane. plane. Cool. Three men jump out of a plane being 004, 002, and 007. As they, as they land in their various positions, a man in, man in a bush watches them. The first, the first 00 who lands is taken out via, via a, uh, a guard that jumps out of his own bush via paintball. So we know this is a training exercise. No one's meant to mm-hmm. be, be, meant to be injured. It's just a double, just a double O exercise. But the man from the bush comes out of nowhere and kills the paintball guard. Um, <clears throat> comes out of nowhere and kills the paintball guard, while the second double O agent um, is rappelling down a cliff. You know, he's he's on a rope rappelling down a cliff, and the man from the bush walks up to the edge of the cliff and drops a a little note down the line to his body and cuts the rope, leaving him falling to his death. Mm. And we cut to good old Timothy Dalton, 007 himself. First time we see his, his face is double O as he watches his fellow agent fall. He goes down. He was attacked by a monkey too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, for some reason, (laughs) he was attacked by a monkey. You are correct, sir. (laughs) There was like two scenes in this movie. I'm like, was it with him and animals? uh, Animals don't like Bond. (laughs) <laughs> um, but uh, once 007 watches uh, his, his fellow 00 fall he goes down to investigate and sees that the rope's been cut jumps down to investigate the, the guard that was killed as well meanwhile man from the bush steals a truck Bond immediately pursues realizing this is not part of the training exercise we're, we're, we're live right now Bond chases him and jumps on the roof of the Jeep, ignoring the paintball shots from the other guards. Listen, man, I got shit to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Some point during the pursuit, the back of the Jeep is shot and catches fire. It's carrying explosives, so this could be bad in the near future. Mm -hmm. Um, While on the roof, Bond cuts through the roof using his knife, attempting to take control of the Jeep. Um, The Jeep crashes through a barrier as it runs through town. It goes flying off into the water and explodes in the ocean, but not before Bond pulls his emergency chute, ripping himself from the uh, from the, the, the careening jeep and is 
floating above just, via his chute as mm-hmm. the jeep crashes and explodes below. But the debris flies up and rips holes in his chute, so he's coming down pretty hard. But there's a yacht in the distance that he proceeds to land on. Yep, lands on, and there's a scantily clad woman on the boat, which he basically ignores, saying, yo, I need your phone. He just takes the phone from her? Takes the phone from her while he's on the phone calling calling into headquarters. He doesn't seduce the woman. The woman seduces him. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of role reversal there. (laughs) So they have a little comment, you know, comment back and forth about, you know, Need someone. Need someone in an hour, or someone will be there in an hour. And Bond goes make it. Oh, two. he was going to debrief in an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better make it two. Once the woman starts seducing him, and we cut to the intro song. I kind of liked this intro song. The, the, I really liked it. Yeah, the video was different. Um, obviously, you still had like the different silhouettes. Uh, of course, they did it in kind of like a cool way because, as you see, like special effects are starting to evolve and all now. So, like the silhouettes were like on the glasses, and then you know instead of just plain silhouette. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they used uh, one thing I did thought was kind of neat, and I remember this from some of the other opening scenes is they went with the blues and reds uh, for their different scenes. Like they mm-hmm. had a lot of like blue templates and red templates for the different scenes to kind of go back and forth which I remember from one of the other intros yeah. and they had some uh, of the rippling water effects kind of like yes. laid over. Also remember from some of the yeah, other, I openings. have a special note, special note that this, like the, the effects and whatnot are kind of a mesh of the, the Roger Moore intros and what we see in the future Pierce Brosnan in, intros. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of that, like you can see this transitioning from eighties to nineties, like, yeah. which makes sense. I mean, it's 1987, so it's right, you know, right mm-hmm. there. Um, but the song is yet another very 1980 song performed by uh, Aha, mm-hmm. who were really. Big it was at the very time. upbeat too. It was a yeah, really good intro. Yeah, I, I, I really, really did enjoy it. Um, there were less silhouettes and more use of actual women. Yes. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I, I really enjoyed this intro sequence, though. I no, really yeah, it was did. still it was still the, really the good. The song one. worked with the effects. You know, everything merged together nicely. It was a nice combination of the old transitioning into the new. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, agreed. I'm just glad we're not ranking them because it'd be a hard one to rank. Yeah, it'd be a hard one to rank. It's, pro- <laughs> it's probably as, it's of, probably as of now, it's probably my top five. Yeah, it's probably up there. Yeah, I agree. But but we're not ranking them. We're not. No, we got enough. Don't keep lists. track of this. <laughs> <laughs> From the intro sequence, we cut to Czechoslovakia in a concert hall. Bond meets with his with a fellow agent, Saunders, and they spot Koskov, a defecting Russian national. Um, they leave and head to a, an apartment safe house across the way where a sniper rifle is waiting on the bed for Bond. Bond and the ag- agent head to the balcony to line up their shot. We find out that they're, cu- they're not there to assassinate Koskov. They're bar- there because he's defecting and warned them that he might, the assassins might be after him. So they're there to cover his ass, basically. So Bond's, Bond's in the balcony lining up his shot. The concert's over, and Koskov Kos- goes to the bathroom and leaves out the window. He makes a run for it as a, ce- as a, as a cello girl from the, uh, from the concert attempts that to... Bond s- noticed, yeah. That Bond noticed attempts to snipe him from the concert hall balcony. But Bond sees them and shoots her gun rather than shooting her. Mm-hmm. Um, Agent Saunders gives him a little bit shit about you did that on purpose, blah, 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 blah. 
But Koskov runs and meets with Bond and Agent Saunders, and they escape via car, leaving Agent Saunders to dispose of the gun, throwing him off plan. He had this whole escape plan planned, and Bond was like, listen, this ain't going to work. I got it covered. Don't worry about it. And boy, yeah. howdy, does Bond have it covered, ladies and gentlemen. Because Bond and Koskov pull up at the Trans-Siberian Pipeline Building, where a guard who absolutely knows Bond, his, her, his mm-hmm. inside girl, if you will, sneaks them in. They proceed to load Koskov into the pipeline and launch him across yeah. the border into Austria. Um, like Which a was awesome. Bullet. But in order to do this, it's going to trigger all sorts of alarm, alarms on the main board. So what does the female inside man do? Female guard? Well, she does what she she does what she does best and distracts the supervisor super her supervisor with boobs, and then proceeds <laughs> to leave him with blue balls, saying, "I'm not that kind of girl." So, <laughs> I mean, if somebody came up to me and, and and started you know acting like that and 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 rubbing all up on me and then just immediately left and was like, "I'm not that kind of girl," I'd been like. Wait, what? Huh? Yeah. Like, why why, why I would got, uh, um, why would we do that? I just got played. <laughs> uh. But after the uh, epic level boob distraction, Q, we cut to Q, who's on the other end of the pipeline, meeting Koskov at the other side in Austria. Meanwhile, uh, now he meets. Um, I say Bond meets back up with the the other agent if i remember correctly right mm-hmm. yeah because uh, i think when when they were leaving the building the agent's like oh i got my escape plan but it's you know classified you don't need to know and when bond starts you know, scooping out the situation it's like something doesn't seem right that's when he like oh i got him i'm taking him out of the trunk because that'll be the first place they look for him mm-hmm. takes off with the car throws him gun and it's like uh, it's a secret. Just meet me at the border because I can't tell you. It's classified. Yeah. Like he does that little role play. Yeah. So I know like the agent then um, meets back up with mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> Bond at the border when Bond's like done sending the um, I, I'm going to call him Yogi because that's the <laughs> name I remember him as Koskoff. throughout this whole movie. Koskoff, yeah. Uh, sends Koskoff to Q because they're mm-hmm. at the border. They you know, they meet up and they drive to the border. Um, yep. But I remember there's a whole scene with Q um trying to get them into hydro jets is what they call those things yeah harrier harrier jets um oh, okay yeah bond picks up the fellow agent saunders while Koskov's being loaded into a harrier jet by q while bond crosses the checkpoint he watches the jet take off and fly fly off into the distance um bond and agent San- saunders talk about bond deliberately missing the shot and threatens to report him to m but this is where he says the name of the movie and i quote it must have scared the living daylights out of her. Yeah, I, I wrote that reference down too because that was done well. It wasn't cheesy. It was done well. It was cheesy, but it was done well. I mean, it well. was so cheesy because it's the title, but yeah. I mean, like, the scene was done well. It, you know, it wasn't like a stupid scene. I'm going to cry when we get to the ones that, like, because I don't think any of the. Um, uh, um, the later movies? The later ones, the Daniel Craig's say the name of the film in it. I'm going to miss that. I don't remember yeah, if that happens in Pierce Brosnan's or not. I think I mean, technically it does because at least Goldeneye is the name of well, the weapon. So, 
I know, um, I know Skyfall does because there was like a meaning behind Skyfall. So yeah. And Daniel yeah. Craig's. It's not necessarily like the. I don't know if it's necessarily. It's said, not the but cheesy way though. I, that's what I'm gonna no, miss no. is the cheesy way. Yeah. But we'll worry we'll about just have that to make when it we cheesier. get there. Exactly. We'll make, we'll we'll add our own cheese to it. A little that's bit, a right. little bit of shredded Parmesan, if you will. Sure. Maybe a glass <laughs> of wine. Who knows? <laughs> that's right. Uh, back <laughs> in jolly old England at Universal Exports headquarters, Bond Q and the new Money Penny. Mm-hmm. I have a little chit chat back and forth about the events that that occurred. Bond is summoned summoned by M, but not before. This is number. Oh, it's a. Uh, oh, that's right. This is the first Q time. This is first Q time. That's right. It's Q time. I'm sorry. I was like, just I was reading my notes about the money penny because I, I thought I put something in about the new money penny just because I know she's different and all. I was like skimming through here. So yes, that's it, right. It is now Q time, Eric. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Q time part one of the living daylights with timothy dalton ladies and gentlemen we only have one one q gadget to offer you today but this one's specifically marketed and i quote from q for the americans ladies and gentlemen you find yourself you know it's 1980s you're rocking the streets you got your big old boom box your mc hammer pants you're just straight chilling ready to break it break down into break dancing right well you know there's just there's there's assholes on the streets of New York. You know this, I know this. People that just don't appreciate breakdancing and boomboxing. You know, what kind of person why do we why do we want these kind of people in the world? You know, the people that don't want don't like boomboxes and don't like breakdancing. Well, the folks at Q Labs have the gadget for you. This is the Rocket Launcher Boombox, aka and I quote the ghetto blaster. <laughs> That's exactly what he calls it too. <laughs> Which is a, a fully functional boombox with a hidden rocket launcher inside. So if you're on the streets of New York doing your break dance, practicing you off, and you've got those passerbys that are just making fun of you or causing, saying you're causing a ruckus, that you're those darn kids the youth of today just doesn't understand. Well, you can break out that rocket launcher boombox and blow them away in a matter of seconds. This rocket launcher boombox can be so- can can be sold is being sold. Can can't we don't know. For <laughs> four four and a half technically. Because the last payment we're we're going we're only going to charge you half price. So, four and a half easy payments of 699.99. Not too shabby, right? No, that's not too bad. Not that's too actually shabby. pretty good for like a classic boombox. Yeah, for a classic yeah, like boombox with rocket launcher functionality, you know. And it actually plays music too, if I'm not mistaken. And it doesn't. It is a fully functional boombox. You are correct, <sighs> sir. Yep, uh, AKA. I, yeah, I, and it's got Ghetto Blaster engraved in neon on the back of the boombox. Because um, neon's very tags, big right? in the 80s. Yes, yes. <laughs> so not only are you arms strapped... You've got music to listen to wherever you go, but you're also stylish. That's right. You know, it's so all ladies in and one package. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for part one of Q Time. Place your orders now, um, and we'll be back with you after a brief word from our sponsors. So, <laughs> real quick, um, I realized before Q Time what I was distracted on was um, the fact that it wasn't uh, Money Penny that I was thinking of. It was Q when Q Time. Um, Right before Q time started, Q was trying to help Bond find the woman assassin, the Russian sniper, celloist assassin. Yes. That's what I was thinking of. And then it's later on where I was getting mixed up with Money Penny. Um, 
But yeah, so they're going through all the known Russian assassins and they can't find this girl. Um, and then we kick into uh, the boombox cue scene. Um, but that, that's what I was trying to reference when I was we started cue time. <clears throat> uh, the fact that they couldn't find her as an assassin anywhere yes. in their records, which yeah, they thought was kind of odd. She's no known assassin. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But after the introduction of the rocket launcher boombox, a.k.a. the ghetto blaster... Um, we cut to a milkman at White Pond Farms, delivering his 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 daily milk, picking up the empty bottles, as a jog mm-hmm. as a blonde jogger in white runs by, with his music, with his music. He's, he's keen on his music he's throughout keen, this. Movie. He's got it, man. He would be one you would market the Ghetto Blaster to. Um, I don't know, but I mean, this it's... is a man that you don't want to have the Ghetto Blaster, as we quickly learn. Yeah, the jogger comes back around and strangles the milkman out of nowhere taking his identity yes. meanwhile james bond arrives at a mansion and meets with koskoff and m this is where koskoff has been hiding out after his defect um the fake mi- fake milkman which i just want to take a make a quick note here i will m- refer to as the milkman from here on out throughout the rest of the movie yes. not to confuse with the actual milkman that got yes. choked out by the signature headphone strangulation method hey man it works it works reminded it's me a of a uh, like reminded me of a hitman mission because that's like something you would I do immediately what i thought of. <laughs> yeah it's just immediately thought. It's like hey it's eric playing hitman that's again. right I've, I've done stuff like that in hitman mm-hmm. <laughs> but the fake milkman arrives at the mansion in his disguise and it just it, he just seems to be let right in you know security's not too yeah. not too keen on investigating a different milkman um meanwhile inside the mansion koskov is debriefed by by m another official bond they talk back and forth i think forth. it's like one of the ministers or something yeah. uh, I, he's been in other movies i can always i always forget who he is so i just kind of put like minister or something in my notes um and then they all just leave they leave koskoff to just hang out at the mansion until you know they get shit figured out because it's supposed to be a safe house it's supposed to be a safe place but we find out or it's a safe not mansion because the milkman goes into the kitchen and takes out the cook pretty much immediately but with his classic signature Headphone strangulation method. That's right. That's right. And this is a full-blown hitman mission because when he takes him out, he attempts to hide his body in the in in the in the the cooler in the freezer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he's spotted, but gets caught in the process. He's spotted by a guard at the last second. We have a pretty fun little fight scene where they're you know burning you know burning his face on the hot grill, throwing you know boiling water at each other, all sorts of back and forth. So this scene with just a random guard is yeah, actually, actually good really well done. Um, I, I enjoy that. But the milkman takes him out, and the milkman assassin slowly works his way through the house, taking out the various guards using his patented milk bombs. Yes, um, I thought that was ingenious. And, I mean, he was clever, too, because while he was going through, he grabbed their walkie-talkies and, and like, pretty much set up the whole mission. Like, yes. hey, we've got a gas leak. It's, you know, red alert. Explains so everyone's explosions. on alert. You know. Explosions going off. Okay, we need a medevac. Mm-hmm. Okay, like it's just he was very clever going through this. I give him props oh, yeah. for going into a, a uh, secret safe mansion, so to speak, and essentially pulling off this whole mission the way he does. Mm-hmm. It was definitely very Hitman style. I think this is where the, very the game got their ideas <laughs> inspiration from. from. Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's do a video game, but we can't call it the Milkman, so let's call it Hitman. <laughs> But the milkman assassin finally works his way to Koskoff and captures him. 
while they're sneaking out, he the the milkman takes off parts of his disguise, puts on a um, stethoscope, and disguises himself as a doctor as the medical transport arrives. They sneak out by putting, you know, he puts Kovskov in the medical transport, and he hops on disguised as a doctor, and that's how they escape. Mm-hmm. Fun escape. Um, we cut to M and Bond talking about the incident as it's been reported back to them. And Bond, they seem I think to, the other guy's there too. Yes. The minister guy The at minister first. guy's there as well. Um, but it seems that the uh, everyone believes that it's General Pushkin. One of the Russian generals mm. has lost his mind. He was a previous ally of, of, of Bond, but he seems to have lost it. And, and they think that this is him um, that, that gave the order to recapture Koskov. So Bond... I was going to say, I think that's because um, M ends up giving him that little carabiner thing that had the note on it. Yes. That was, we mentioned that we forgot to mention at the very beginning, when the guy was on the rope right before the guy cut the rope, he clipped on a little note and it slid all the way down to that double O yeah. agent that cut, uh, the road yeah. got cut on. And the note references um, a mission. Um, some type of from oh, back Russian mission that he was to take in charge out of. the British assassins. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what Pushkin was in charge of. Exactly. Under, under uh, Joseph Stalin. Um, so Bond is given orders to kill General Pushkin, and you see he doesn't really want to. It's kind of like they're old friends. But mm-hmm. you got to do what you got to do. So from here, we cut to... So this, <laughs> after we're done this whole scene, and Bond's like, I don't want to do it, and M's like, or, yeah, M's like, well, that's fine, we'll give it to someone else. He's like, no, no, I'll do it. I don't want to, but it's my mission, I'll do it. So what does Bond do? He goes to get more help. And who does he get his help from? Yet again, another Q time to make up for last week because last week we didn't have a Q time and we felt bad for everybody. So this week we are giving you two Q times in one. So Eric, I hope you're ready for a good old another Q time. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Q time part two featuring the living daylights. Like Jordan said. Q squared as we like to say. That's right. Q squared. I like that. Patent pending. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, much like the patents on many of the next items we have listed for you, the patent is still pending. Item number one, we have the stun gas key fob. Stun gas key fob is just like it sounds. It's a key fob for a car that you whistle the tune of jolly old England, and it releases stun gas, disarm, you know, temporarily incapacitating your, your, your foes. Yeah, I think it's only for like 20 or 30 seconds or something like that, they said. Mm-hmm. Well, Jordan, is that all, is that all it does? No, I think it depends on the kind of songs that you whistle. That's right. That's right. Because if you whistle another song, it it will explode using plastic explosives. I it was yeah, sometimes small plastic explosives that uh, Q put in it. Because I can't remember the type he says, but it's a little tiny thing in the like the speaker of the yes, whistle. Yes. And I can't remember the whistle he says, but I like because Q's like, yes, if you whistle this, it'll explode. And Bond's like, you mean like this? And he's like, no, 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 stop. Don't you dare. Don't do that. No. But the good news, because if, you know, we're American here on this show, we're not, we're not English. We don't know, you know, the English folk songs that are going to be programmed into this device. Good news is it is also equipped with a micro USB port where you can upload your own songs. So it will identify your songs if you like as well. (laughs) That's a special edition that here, special edition that us here on the American side of Q Labs have added. Because, because, uh, like you all know, in America, we're not very familiar with other cultures' music. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, also on this key fob, there was 
an, another gadget too, or was that a separate gadget? I'm no, no, of. another gadget. I mean, like all what what good is a I key was thinking fob? It was part of the keychain. What good is a key fob without a key, right? You know, if you That's got a keychain, okay. you need a key. So this key is the universal lock pick. As stated, I don't have to go into much detail. Q says it for us. It'll unlock pretty much any lock known to man. Yeah, I think it's like ninety percent of the locks in the world. <laughs> simple enough. Simple enough. It's essentially the Swiss Army knife of of of, of lock picks. You know, you flip it open, you've got like nine million different key combinations all in but one. But somehow it's small and compact. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But ladies and gentlemen, what we really wanted to talk about on this part two of Q Time is my personal, probably my personal favorite yes. gadget yes. that we've had on this show um, for at least the last several Bond episodes. And this is what I've come to lovingly know as the consuming couch. So. We've all had we've all had that roommate that's just the laziest laziest sob you know he never gets off the couch he never washes dishes you come home from work and he's just laying there eating cereal off a plate with like a spatula because all the dishes are dirty and he refuses to wash them you know sounds like I'm speaking from experience maybe who maybe. knows. <laughs> <laughs> But we've all been there at one point. We had the solution for you because if that lazy bastard won't get off the couch, well, guess what? We'll turn him into a couch for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce you the consuming couch. The consuming couch. Think Venus flytrap for couches. It sits there. Looks like the comfiest couch in the world. All alone and cushiony and, and private. But when it's triggered... When you sit down on it, right when you're leaning back to get the most comfortable you possibly can, the consuming couch inverts itself, trapping you within the depths of its cushions, cushions, suffocating you and hiding your body at the same time. So the consuming couch, A, it will get rid of that annoying roommate for you, and B, it'll cover up the crime. It's a (laughs) win-win. Just don't ask where the body goes. Just don't ask where the body goes. Let's just ignore (laughs) that fact, okay? So, ladies and gentlemen, you may ask yourself, um, Eric. Refund's not acceptable. Yeah, Eric, this consuming <laughs> couch sounds um, sounds a bit out of my price range. Well, well, first things first, as Jordan said, here on here on Q Time, we accept no refunds. You know, no refunds are issued. Um, but the consuming couch is actually very, very affordable. Uh, consuming couch you can get for, for 12 easy payments of... $62.55. It's almost like I'm making up these prices off the top of my head, but no, no, it is that that low of a low low of a co- low. It is that low of a price. <laughs> it just went on sale today, right? My brain broke for a moment. Is how good these deals are. That's how you know a deal so good is when you, 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 you your mind breaks trying to say the price of it. <laughs> 12 easy payments of 62.55. I think that's the original price I said. I'm not 100% sure, but we'll give it to you for that anyway. So call now at 5550123 and enter code Q to get your free shipping. Thank you for joining us for Q, for Q time part two for the living daylight. <laughs> Uh, just when I think they can't get any better. They do. They definitely do. 
These gadgets, man. These gadgets, are, they're going to kill me one of these days. The consuming yeah. couch. And, I'm going to have to watch and, out for that one. Next time I come over and visit you, I'm going to yeah. like, start looking around the room for like the trap door and the, the knock-knock trap door. Knock-knock, like, knock, who's there? That's right. Knock-knock, who's there? Spike trap. <laughs> the consuming couch. Yeah, knock-knock, knock, who's there? Your be very deadly. Knock-knock, uh, who's there? Spike trap and consuming couch are probably my two favorite ones that we've done so far. I think I think so. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Although your um, the one rope was funny. Just listening to you tell the story. <laughs> stiff I, I rope, limp rope. <laughs> that's a stiff rope, limp rope. That was a funny story. I would never get that one. I would probably go with the the knock-knock, who's there? Spike trap, um, and the consuming couch over all of them. But um, so. Now that we're back to the second queue time, which is where I was getting my notes mixed up, this is where I had my notes on uh, Money Penny. Because after the second queue time, Money Penny has some information for Bond that she was able to look up for him after the first queue time. Indeed. She has found his missing assassin. That's right. That's but she's not really an assassin. No, no. The missing assassin is a cello player. Just like we saw her in the beginning, she's legitimately a cello player and a damn good mm-hmm. one, I might add. So yes. Bond tells Q he's going to take out the Aston Martin for a little joy ride to the concert hall and proceeds to follow the quote-unquote cello assassin from earlier. Mm-hmm. Throughout her routine, they go on a tram. Some point the uh, on the tram, the, the tram stops and several henchmen goons board the tram and take the cello the cello assassin off but leaves her cello behind leaves her cello behind um they take her off the train and take her to the car of general pushkin aka john reese davies ladies and gentlemen Mm -hmm. phenomenal actor his introduction was priceless i'm like yes yes there's the bad guy who's not really bad but he is (laughs) but he's not but he is we don't 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 know (laughs) we'll find out on the next episode of friday films thank you for joining us ladies and gentlemen no. <laughs> um, but no, Bond. Okay, there's a, there's a part two. Bond arrives at the last <laughs> stop um, and takes takes the cello with him into the bathroom and opens it up to find the sniper rifle, sniper rifle, and her house, her her personal information. Yeah. So he knows where she's always lives. good to keep those together. That's right. Um, so from here, we cut to her arriving at her apartment that has obviously been searched. It is a wreck. And Bond mm-hmm. arrives shortly behind her and begins questioning her um, <clears throat> about, you know, I know you're not an assassin, blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. Questions her about the defection of Koskov, and it's revealed that she was Koskov's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And it was a setup because when Bond was investigating the gun in the at the bathroom stall, he realized, he realized that there were blanks yes. inside the gun. Yep, that's right. Um, Bond lies to her about Koskov, saying that he is, you know, you know, a friend of friend of Koskov's, and he's here to kind of help her help her reunite with him. Um, so Bond and you know Bond and Kara Kara is, is her name. Yeah, I think her name's Kara. But Bond and Kara leave. Bond exits first, goes to his Aston Martin, and she exits second and goes to the um, the uh, payphone phone booth. Yeah, phone mm-hmm. booth. Meanwhile, we've got a goon in another car across the street watching the way, and as a tram passes and blocks his vision, Bond's car, you know, the Aston Martin pulls off. But in the phone booth, there's still what seems to be Kara standing there. Really like this scene, by the way. I like that. Yes. Little, yeah. This I, was I, Spycraft 101. I, I like this. Yeah, I thought it was very, very well done. 
Um, so we cut to Bond and Kara in the car, and she's just bitching how she has to go back for her cello. It's mm-hmm. a blah, 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 fancy cello. She has to go back. So Bond finally gives in, and they go back and get her cello. Meanwhile, the henchman... Another good scene. Because he's like, no, 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 and then they're there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she's running out with the cello. I was like, <laughs> yes. It's uh, like, I like when they do those scenes. Exactly. The... <laughs> The, the, the 12 no's and a yes is a yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, henchman, the, meanwhile, the henchman has discovered he's been tricked and that it's just a ch- it's just the cello case covered in a hat and a jacket in the phone mm-hmm. booth. Meanwhile, we cut back to Bond and Kara driving along as they hear over the police radio that they are being searched for. Pretty much immediately, they pass an oncoming police car that sees them, pulls a hard 180, and attempts to pull them over. So, I mentioned this uh, real quick uh, as we're getting into the scene. I mentioned this in the like our so-called pre-show where we were talking about different things, um, and how there it wasn't to me as many like quick quirps or quirk. Or what are the, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, quips, mm-hmm. little quick quips that this Bond, like Dalton's Bond, mm-hmm. uses throughout these this movie. This is one of the few times where he had a couple that I'm like, as the scenes going on, I'm like, hmm. It's funny at first and believable, but then it gets, I don't know, more funny because it's less and less believable as it goes on. Because, like, the radio, uh, he was turning the radio, and she's like, oh, you picked up the police scanner. He's like, oh, yeah, just, you know, cross-reference. It must have, like, we just somehow got their signal by accident. I'm like, okay, that's kind of a cool gadget, believable. Yeah. But then when that police car comes up and in, in this scene here, and he starts using the laser and stuff like that. It's like, oh, yeah, road salt. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how road salt works. <laughs> yep, yep. Uses a later laser to literally cut the police car apart at the wheels. And it just like, slides off the frame. Just slides off the frame and comes to a stop. Uh, um, but we see roadblocks are being set up farther ahead. Bond just has no time for this and just straight up blows up the roadblock, roadblock with his yep. front-mounted missiles. Um, drives straight through the roadblock. And continues on, makes a hard left into this, you know, this this snowfield, being chased by police, being chased by military, be cha- being chased by everybody through the, the, throughout this entire scene. He sees his opportunity um, to go onto a frozen lake to attempt to yeah. escape them, but to do this, there's only one thing that stands in his way, and that is a poor, poor, innocent souls just shed his life's work in this shed that's the only thing standing between bond and the in the 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 open ice lake of which he may escape on ladies and gentlemen this shed is owned by none other than frank joseph p henchman the third and his wife sarah elaine henchman Formerly, yeah, I can't remember what her formerly bodyguard. Was. I remember that being her maiden name. Yeah, um, but anyway, I remember Elaine, Frank, Frank, and Sarah Elaine Hinchman um, have have successfully made up despite their their naked bodies being shown off to all in California in the last in the last Bond movie. Them being embarrassed on their second honeymoon, if you will. After talking about it, you know, Frank was ready to get back into the henchman game. He wanted to, he was never more mad at Bond than he was in that moment. But Sarah did what she does best, and she calmed, calmed Frank's inner demons and was like, listen, 
he's not worth it. Yeah, you need a vacation. He's not worth it. So let's just relax. Let's go back to Europe. Let's get off the grid for a little bit. We'll bring the kids to to Eastern, you know, Eastern Europe. They'll have a grand old time playing in the snow. We'll have we'll live a simple life with a farm on a on a lake, gathering wood for the winter. Might have been a farm, don't know, you know. It was basically a shed, but we'll just we'll just go with it. So Frank it's just finds like himself, you know, his kids are out playing, his wife's inside making, you know, in, you know, in their actual house, making, you know, making a nice warm cup of soup or whatever, whatever you eat in the cold Russian winters. <laughs> and Frank's out there gathering wood, loading it into his shed when all of a sudden an Aston Martin driven by none other than James fucking Bond himself comes out of nowhere and Frank immediately recognizes this man and goes, why, why do you follow me everywhere I go? Why, Mr. Bond, why do you hate me so? Looks up, screams to the skies, shakes his hands in fury. Why? As Bond careens through his, his shed slash barn and not does, does he, does he bust through it, leaving a hole on the other side that's relatively easy to fix? No. He takes the entire shed with him and uses it as a barrier against the pursuing police. Frank looks on, his livelihood gone in this winter wasteland now. His family's got no wood for the winter. They're going to have to move on. Sarah's not going to be happy to hear this when he gets back home. Um, Sarah's might not believe him. Um, which, you know, their relationship, it's recovered, but it's still on the rocks. So... Who knows what this what this could do to poor Frank's psyche and his his family dynamic. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we'll find out next time. Same Frank time, same Frank channel. <sighs> I tune in every week for these shows. <laughs> every week. <laughs> poor Frank, what poor will Frank. happen? Because I do know that as Bond's taking this shed across the lake... At one point, he says, we got to get out of here. We just, you know, downships it somehow and just psh, goes through. Because, you know, the shed was going with him the whole time. So how it just, like, the doors break and slides behind him, we don't know. But he gets out, and he's going. But he's not alone. He's being chased. And those who are chasing him shoot out one of his tires, which causes another issue. So what does Bond do with this pursuing car behind him? He just decides to do donuts around him using the blown out tire, which is a rim, to cut a nice ice circle. Um, because, you know, at least he wants to leave Frank with a giant hole that he can go back doing his ice fishing with. It's true. It's true. He's destroyed he's destroyed this shed. He's a giver. So he's just gonna cut a <laughs> giant circle. You know, you don't just need something small, you need a big That's one. Because, right. you know, there could be whales in this small, like we don't know. The bond so he giveth, cuts a hole. The bond taketh away. <laughs> It's like the Sour Patch Kids. That's First right. they're sour, then they're That's sweet. sweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Bond was in this movie. Oh, God. Um, but I guess Bond also didn't think that as he cut a hole and the car fell through the ice, it would scare all the fish away. I don't know. <laughs> so it, it was, uh, I guess, a, a good attempt, but it didn't work. But then what's Bond do? He uses more gadgets. Because, you know, it's not a Q Bond car. 
if you don't have every gadget you can ever think of just for this movie specifically equipped in the car. This is easily so the, this is easily the, the most gadgets we've seen from a car in any of the Bond I think movies. in all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in any yeah. of the Bond movies this is the most we've seen from a car. And I know I mean, the they cl- get more and more especially in the Pierce Brosnan's movies. Oh yeah. Um yeah. but this is the most as of now. And I think the only other time that we were even kind of close to this was in it was one of the older movies, but it was like two different um, cars. It was like well, the first car had some gadgets, and the second one had some gadgets. I think I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look at it, but it was like one of the other movies was close, but even then was not this not amount of gadgets. Many, it was like two small gadgets in this car, and then like one or two small gadgets in this car. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've already used so, like seven gadgets in the last five minutes. Of yeah, a couple minutes. Yeah. yeah, which was super awesome. Um, but I think my favorite gadget in this one, cause I made a special note is that after he gets the skis and he's riding around this lake and he's like, all right, we gotta get, you know, we need to get out of this place. He decided to go back to the, like the stairs and all he came down before he we went through yes. poor Frank's house. And he's like, we gotta get over this. We gotta get back up there. And there's a wall of enemies just waiting for him, shooting at him. Police, so what does he do as he's, yeah. I mean, what does he do while he's got these skis so that all of the skis, I mean, the skis help, but all it really does is get that um, one wheel off the ground so he's That's not right. cutting into the ice but he engages his special Batmobile That's right. the you rocket know, thruster the rocket thruster yep click push this button full throttle up the steps over over all the enemies because that's how Bond does it. or not, not well that's, I mean that's how Bond does it too but that's how Batman did it that's right just rocket the only difference is I don't think Batman had uh, sleds <laughs> he just had like a cool wing that would like keep him from like doing like do- uh, circles in the air, like, a little little fish wing or <laughs> whatever you want to call it, like a little fin. I guess it helps with aerodynamics. I don't know, but that was my favorite part of this chasing with this just Batmobile on it right over the steps. Mm-hmm. After he Batmobiles it uh, over the steps, he proceeds to not land nearly as agile as Batman would, but crashes into the snow below and attempts to escape on foot. But, like all Bond movies before, the enemies have ski henchmen ready to go. So skiing henchmen start chasing down Bond, and he sets his car to self-destruct, which blows up right as the ski henchmen pass by, throwing many of them out of the way, giving Bond just enough time to break out that old cello case, which, mm-hmm. you know, if, you, if anyone's seen a cello case, it's big. You open it up. There's, there's, you can sit on either side of the cello case. You so you've got yeah. Bond and Kara ice losing downhill in the cello case as they cross using the cello to steer using the cello to steer as they cross into the border into the austrian as they cross the austrian border bond hands his passport to kara and says flash this when we pass by as they pass not by claiming anything fun little quip not claiming anything just the cello <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty funny. I also thought it was kind of funny, like, during this whole chasing, because it, it goes on a little bit uh, as they're kind of weaving in and out, and they're being shot at. Like, I think he uses it a couple times, like, steers around some trees, and then he's, like, mm-hmm. other times he's holding up so nothing gets happens to it, nothing gets damaged, but it gets shot, so there's, like, a hole in it. And he's, like, he even apologizes to her, because it was, like, this special cello. I don't remember the name got. of it, but it's a very famous, like, maker. Something, something Rose cello. Yeah, I can't remember what she yeah. says. It was something Rose, because it comes back up in reference later in the movie yeah. um, for... We're- for another reason, but um, 
I just love the fact like during the scene it gets shot, so it's got a little hole in the top of it, and he mm-hmm. even like apologizes. He's like, "Oh, sorry." <laughs> I'm like, "Really?" So like, as he's using it to steer around and like digging it into the ground to steer around things, that doesn't damage the cello. But the one, as we know from out later, of the thousands that were shooting at it goes through it. As we know from later, it still works. Oh yeah, I know. That's that's why I would mention the scene because later on we see her playing it and it's still got the little mm-hmm. bullet hole in it. And I'm like, nice, <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <clears throat> but from here we cut to yet another mansion. A lot of mansions in this movie, where yeah. General Pushkin arrives and meets with Brad Whitaker, an American illegal arms dealer, with his own little fascination with war and strategy, and he's got a whole little museum set up going on in his in his place. General Pushkin. Which is some of the stuff I remember, the weird little museum thing. I remember that yeah. from before. Yeah. Uh, General Pushkin cancels an order that they had put in with Whitaker and requests the return of his money uh, and references that he is on to the scheme with, uh, with which Whitaker and Koskov are, are cooperating on. Um, meanwhile, Bond and Carr arrive in Vienna. Yeah, because they just hitch a ride there. Just hitch a ride there. They arrive at a hotel, and Bond proceeds to check in with the maitre d' that knows him very well. Been here all the time. Mm-hmm. Then we cut back. We we cut to Koskov, who Koskov, and we find out the name of Milkman Nekros. Um, at Still a pool, Milkman. Yep, at a pool, just hanging out with the ladies, having a grand old time. <laughs> Guard comes up and, and and tells Koskov that he's being summoned by Whitaker. They go and meet Whitaker, and Whitaker gives the order to kill another Brit- British agent and Pushkin if they have to, to escalate the situation between Britain and Russia. Um, yeah, because I think they're hoping that if they kill another agent, it'll escalate Bond to go after Pushkin like he was yes. supposedly ordered to do. Yes, yes. Um, so they're kind of trying to pull things from behind the scenes. And then from here we cut to Bond at Yet another concert hall with Kara and Saunders from the beginning of the movie. He's mm-hmm. across the way. At in- intermission, Kara goes away for a moment and Bond and Saunders meet, have a little conversation back and forth. Bond says, you know, you know, Kara's the girlfriend. He's trying to get information out of him. We need to get out of the country tomorrow. I need this, 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 and this. Yeah, and you she know. was not really an assassin like they thought. Exactly, and I need it now. I need it tonight. So Saunders goes off to make that happen. Meanwhile, Kara comes back and we cut to Kara and Bond having a great time at a carnival. Little montage mm-hmm. of him winning her prizes, them riding rides. They go on a Ferris wheel. And meanwhile, Saunders waits at the bottom of the Ferris wheel and is approached by a balloon man. Yes, balloons. Saunders brushes off the balloon man and goes to an ice cream ice cream shop where he awaits Bond to get off the Ferris wheel. But Balloon Man has followed him. And it's revealed that Balloon Man is also Milkman, which is also I still like Milkman better. Necros. <laughs> still like Milkman better. I'm, I'm, I'm not That's calling right. him the Balloon Man. I'm calling him the Milkman with Balloons. Milkman with Balloons. Uh, the Ferris wheel stops at the very top, and Bond proceeds to seduce Kara. And they have a nice little moment. Um... Back at the bottom of the Ferris, once they, they go back down to the bottom of the Ferris wheel, Bond excuses himself and meets with Saunders at the ice cream shop um, and reports, you know, and Saunders reports that the cello 
that Kara had was bought by Brad Whitaker, um, mm-hmm. eluding that Whitaker and Koskov are connected. And that was where the name of the cello came back into play because yes, it was a rose. special type of cello, yeah. and that's what Bond had the uh, the other agent look into. Yes. Um, yeah, while a, also trying to get their paperwork to get them out of town. It was kind of like, hey, find out about this because I feel like there's a connection here. And there was. So Saunders gives this information and leaves where upon leaving, he is killed by an explosive that slams the sliding door into him as he leaves. Horrible way to mm-hmm. go. And a balloon floats into frame. Bond responds and goes down to see if he's okay. And a balloon floats into pr- frame with the same message that was on the note from the beginning mm-hmm. um they then leave for tangia now what i thought was kind of interesting at the scene because i've made a little reference oh yeah bond chases bond yeah. bond sees some extra balloons going by on the inside of the bush so like he chases after you know seeing the balloons figuring that was the uh the milkman essentially not that he knows who the milkman is at this point and like chases after him and he like hops over some bushes pulls his gun out and it's not him. It's a little kid holding some balloons. And, like, the mom freaks out and he's like, oh, crap. So he, like, quickly like, hides the gun and this and that. Mm-hmm. And then Kara, like, meets back up with him. Like, did you get your message? What's going on? Yeah. And, you know, by this point, Bond's like. We got to go. We got to go. Yeah, we're going now. He's ticked off. He wants Pushkin. <clears throat> That's right. He's like, something's not right. That's right. So, like, like we got to go. Mm-hmm. So we, I think, it, yeah, then they get out of there. Yep. So then we cut to Tangia where Bond is following the general in a car. The general arrives at the Hotel de France. Um, seems to be bringing some flowers to his lady. So he goes in. He has his flowers. He's going to her room. Opens the door. Lady seem, His lady friend seems very distraught because Bond is waiting behind the door for him and proceeds to interrogate him about the message that was left and what the hell is going on, which was a, the message was a mission to kill British agents that was discontinued during Stalin's time. General Pushkin says, you know, that was that was Stalin's thing. Got nothing to do with that. That program hasn't been enacted in, you know, decades. Um, <clears throat> but the general has just enough time to trigger his watch alarm. Bond knocks him out. Last minute, strips his lady friend naked. And the door, as, as the door opens and the guard comes in, like, oh, my God, naked woman. Boops. Yeah. <laughs> Giving Bond just enough time to knock out the guard as well. <clears throat> Bond and, and Pushkin have a brief conversation back and forth, saying that the general, you know, and they both agree the general has to die so that they so that Bond will really know what Koskov is up to. Mm-hmm. From here, we cut to General Pushkin giving a speech. Meanwhile, on the balcony, Necros, a.k.a. Milkman, lines up a shot. But before he's able to get his shot off, Pushkin takes three shots to the chest and begins bleeding all over the stage. And we cut to see Bond was the one that took those shots. Yes, because the milkman turns the spotlight while Bond's still aiming his gun and Bond runs. Indeed. Bond escapes. (coughs) Bond escapes and is being pursued by the police. Meanwhile, the general is wheeled out on a gurney. Bond's running from rooftop to rooftop, you know, escaping, jumping down, a whole little chase sequence, kind of cool looking. But meanwhile, when the general's wheeled out on the gurney, his girlfriend's so distraught and whatnot. But he wakes up. He is alive. It was a setup between him and Bond the whole time to fake Mm -hmm. his death to draw out the true plan. 
Um, meanwhile, while Bond's escaping, two women in a car pick him up. Seems like we got some sexy time stuff happen. Bond Party! Tri- That's right. Bond tries to pay them to drop him off you know, at the next place, but they pull a gun on him and take them, take him to a boat where who's waiting for him? Felix. I've been waiting for Felix to come back in a long time. Felix is back. Old agent, CIA agent, Felix Leiter, AKA agent, girly glasses himself, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Been a long time since I've been able to reference them girly glasses. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a different Felix. He wasn't bad. No. He, he was just different. I mean, he wasn't the girly glasses Felix that we, we've known from the past movies, but it was still good to see Felix back in action. That's right. That's right. Um, Felix and Bond realize that they've been working the same case, just from two opposite sides. So they sit down and do what they do best. Talk shop. Talk shop. <laughs> yeah. From here, we cut to Whitaker and Koskoff celebrating the assassination of G- General Pushkin. But... It is interrupted by Koskov receiving a call, which we don't hear, but sounds very, very disturbing. Mm-hmm. From here, we cut back to Bond, who meets with Kara at their beachside hotel or wherever they may be, and they share, share a martini, shaken, not stirred, mind you. And Bond mm-hmm. reveals his real identity and that Koskov is the bad guy. <clears throat> Kara seems very upset with this and, and you know, non-believing and couldn't possibly be true. After they share the martini, however, Bond realizes his drink was drugged. And as he's trying to reveal information to Kara, he passes out as Koskov and Nekros arrive in the room. Yeah, good old strong night-night juice. That's right, that's right. Bond is taken disguised as a transplant patient with Koskov, Nekros, and Kara um, onto a plane. There's a uh, transpo- transplant uh, case that is opened up while they're checking, uh, while customs is checking, checking before they get on the plane that has a, a heart beating inside of it. That's the cover for whatever may actually be in that case. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile on the plane, Necros goes to the bathroom as Bond wakes up. Bond and Kara realize, they investigate the transplant case and realize that diamonds are hi- hidden in the ice. So there's some sort of smuggling, smuggling operation going on here. Um... <clears throat> Bond, you know, acts all out of it and whatnot, and Koskov comes to talk with him and reveals his grandmaster plan. Whole bad guy monologue scene going on right here. They land at a Russian military base in Afghanistan, and and Koskov turns Bond in as the assassin that killed General Pushkin and Kara as a Russian defector. So much mm-hmm. for girlfriend, right? That's right. <clears throat> When they're taken into the prison by the by the Russian guards, you know, Russian prison guy kind of beats him up a little bit, and Bond is able to get his keys, his key fob back from Kara, and activates it as they're thrown in prison, releasing the stun gas, and a fight ensues. I love this fight. Because it was a good fight. Scene. It was a pretty good fight scene. Yeah, because um, Bond's like taken out. Kara helps in, but who gives the most help? But the Afghan prisoner in the, from the cell next to him giving mm-hmm. Bond just enough time to lock the guards in their own the, in their own separate prison prison cells and grabs, you know, jacket disguises and whatnot, getting ready to escape. Right before he leaves the door, however, the Afghan prisoner goes, please, you know, little help here. And Bond tosses him the keys to a cell, allowing him to escape as well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we cut to Bond 
and Kara spying on Kozkov as the diamonds are transported into a different vehicle. Meanwhile, at this moment, bon, a stair, stair truck pulls up and Bond takes the stair truck and uses it to escape over the fence where they are immediately ambushed by Afghans. But wait, the Afghan prisoner that rescued Bond earlier jumps over the fence at the last minute and calls off. Hey, 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 tells mm -hmm. his buddies that they're not Russian. We cool. It's all good. We cool. They're OK. They helped. They're fine. It's good. Um, so once, you know, once the Afghan prisoner saves them at the last minute, they all ride together on horseback through the desert back to the Afghan village where Bond and Kara are taken, a taken to a room to meet with a very, very cleaned up version of the prisoner. Mm -hmm. And we find out the prisoner's name is Cameron Shaw. He has an Oxford education and is just a you know, rebel fighter in this area as far as I picked up on him. Um, but they, yeah, I thought it was, I don't want to say he was the, the, like the main leader, but I think he was fairly important. Yeah. He rank was, he was a big wig at some point. Yeah. He, he was a, definitely a big wig. Um, but they talk and bond requests being taken back to the air base. Listen, I've got to get back to the air base. I've got this, this, and this shit to clean up. You know, I got shit to do. Shaw says that's impossible, but if bond helps them with the mission that they start tomorrow morning, he will help them. He will help them get back into the base. So Bond goes back with Kara and fills her in on the plan. She requests him not to go. They have a little fight, brief fight for a moment, a lover's quarrel, if you will. And then mm -hmm. what do they do? They make up and make out. That's what happens. That's, That's right. right. That's right. Um, from, from here, we cut to a really awesome shadow shot. Yeah, riding in with the sunrise. That's right, of Bond of Aradia riding, riding across the dunes. <laughs> And this is another. This, this actually fits, though. Yes, it does. It's another Bond of Arabia, but it's a Bond of Arabia that makes sense compared to yes. the last Bond of Arabia we had. <laughs> this was completely random. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bond of Arabia is riding across the dunes. Koskoff and Necros load into an APC and leave the base. Um, <clears throat> Bond and the Afghans come to a stop in the middle of what seems like nowhere. And Bond takes time to investigate the camels that are loaded with, quote-unquote, medical supplies and discovers yes. it to be raw opium, opium, which is worth millions. Rushes with Koskov and Necros in tow show up at the meeting site with the Afghans. Ladies and gentlemen, it looks like we've got a good old-fashioned drug deal going down. Russians right. are buying some drugs in exchange for some diamonds, which the Afghans are going to use to buy weapons from the Russians. I mean, it's a whole back-and-forth shenanigans going on. It really is. Good old-fashioned drug deal. Um, Bond and Shaw make a plan to sabotage the opium deal, but not until after it's completed. Because this other Afghan clan that's providing the opium, this is their biggest deal, and we don't want to... We don't want two Disrupt different them, groups yeah. of people to fight, you know. Um, so after the deal is completed, Bond says, I have a plan. He requests plastic explosives and a timer. And proceeds to, in disguise, load the truck with the opium <clears throat> slash bomb. But he gets trapped on the truck as the Russians leave. Takes him a little too long to, to get his bomb ready. And they finish loading up the truck and leave with Bond hidden amongst the, amongst the bags of opium. Kara mm -hmm. decides this is unacceptable. We have to rescue him. 
and ride, you know, steals Shaw's gun and rides off after the trucks. The Afghans all look at each other and go, fuck it. Let's do it too. Yep. And they women. I, know. That's, I think that's what he says. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he just kind of like, he's like, everyone's like, no. And she's like, runs off. And yeah. then they all turn to Shaw and just look at him. And he's like, and I think he makes some comment that's just like women or something. And no. just kind of like, Oh, well, what are we going to do? And just runs after him. They all just, <laughs> okay, let's go. Um, rides after him and the Afghans follow. Meanwhile, we cut to bond loading the explosives into one of the bags while he's being transported. They arrive back at the base and begin loading the plane with the drugs. And I love how Bond just kind of casually blends in like he just hopped on the truck as well. Yes. And starts spy handing craft. bags to the guys that are taking it off. Yes. Well done. I, I loved the Spycraft little, like, thrown in here. It, it definitely, when Spycraft is put in these movies, it makes it so much better because it's so much more believable and it's done well. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Um, <clears throat> Kara and the Afghans arrive at the base while Bond loads the bomb onto the plane himself and sets the timer. As he's getting ready to leave, disembark the plane, Koskov and Necros meet him at the door, see him, and his cover's blown. Mm-hmm. Full fight break out, breaks out. Bond's, you know, covering his position on the plane. Um, Koskov orders, don't shoot the plane. We don't want to blow up the, you know, blow up the plane and ruin the, you know, ruin the drugs. The opium, yeah. That's right. At this time, the Afghans break down the fence and raid the base. Meanwhile, Koskov and Necros hide under a truck like the biggest pussies we've ever seen in a Bond movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As Bond activates the plane's engines and gets ready to taxi it on the runway and take off. Meanwhile, Kara knocks out a Russian that was trying to take her out. And, you know, whole fight sequence, bunch of stuff going back and forth happening. Bond is going to, he's taxiing the plane. He's getting ready to take off. He gives Shaw the good old fashioned thumbs up as he's headed down the runway. But Kara, go ahead. Well, I was going to say during this whole crazy fight scene, and I don't remember exactly where it takes place during the scene. I loved when Shaw went and took the bulldozer. Yeah. 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 Just kind of like running around, like running over things. I think he went through, went through the showers um, and we had naked, naked Russians. Yeah. Yes. That was the one I was thinking of earlier in our pre-conversation mm-hmm. when I was going through my notes. I was trying to reference something. That's what I was thinking of, that scene there. Anyway, I love how he's just riding around this bulldozer and, like, he goes to this little shooter base or, uh, like, little uh, – what was it? They had, like, a machine gun or something, and he just kind of raises up the buckets. Like, yeah. oh, we're going to throw grenades at him. But they throw the grenades right into the bucket. So yeah. she just jumps out and lets the bulldozer blow up, taking out the gun. Like, I, just, I thought that scene was kind of funny. And cute. I, re- I, was like, yeah, I really like Shaw in this. I really liked him a lot. I did too. Yeah, I liked his character. I thought it was really um, a good place for him in this part of the story, mm-hmm. towards the end and all that. Yep. Um, but as Bond is heading down, after Bond gives Shaw the thumbs up and he's headed down the runway, getting ready to take off, Kara <clears throat> is chasing after him on horse, but gets knocked off her horse by a tank shell. But she has just enough time to steal a jeep and to kind of keep chasing after Bond. But Koskoff and Necro see this, and they come out from under under the cover of their truck to hop into a machine gun jeep. Mm-hmm. Bond manages to see Kara from the plane and directs her to go to the back of the plane as he opens the back door for her, and she drives in. Bond closes the door, but at the last second, Koskoff orders Necros, you've got to get on that goddamn plane, man. 
Yeah. So for a moment, as Bond's getting ready to take off, we play chicken with an oncoming plane that's attempting to land. Necros jumps onto Bond's plane, and the landing plane crashes into Koskov's jeep. But he jumps out at the last minute before it explodes. Back in the captain's court, you know, the, the cockpit of the plane, Bond leaves Kara in charge of the controls while he goes to, quote, defuse a bomb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As he's working to defuse the bomb, Necra strikes. <clears throat> and they've got a big fight scene back and forth. Kara accidentally opens the back of the plane. Necros yeah. and Bond fall off and they're hanging off the back of the plane, hanging on to the all of the opium that's, you know, all roped, you know, netted together. Big of a big bit of a fight back and forth. Not really sure who's going to win, who's going to fall. At the last second, Bond gets control of Necros's knife. Necros grabs Bond's boot and is holding on to it for dear life. What does Bond do? He slowly cuts cuts his own laces. Necros, you know, begs, begs, no, please don't do this. The last lace is cut, and Necros. The boot falls off with ne- in Necros's hand, yeah. and Necros is sent falling to his death. You know, and it was sad to say that during the scene, I just kept thinking to myself, "It's a shame that that's not a port key." <laughs> nice, nice. Because <laughs> the like you just see him holding this boot as he's flying out. He didn't like drop it; like he just held it as he fell. Well, well, like, I'll try and well, remember to make that reference when we do Harry Potter in review. Yeah, when we do Harry <laughs> Potter, we get a reference that. Uh, uh, but Bond is able to make it back on the plane. But wait, he's, is he safely on the plane? He still hears the ticking of the bomb and desperately searches the remaining bags for it. He finds it and deactivates it with two seconds left. Mm-hmm. Bond manages to make it back to the controls just in time, and they are barely able to pull up before crashing into a mountain. A mountain. Back on the ground, we cut to Shaw and his fellow Afghans being chased by Russian tanks. They are not having a good time of it, and it's chasing directly, chasing them directly back to their village. But Bond can't, you know, Bond can't let it, let a let a let a good man down. So Bond turns around and uses this opportunity to reactivate the bomb and drops it on the tanks as they're crossing a bridge, saving the Afghans that helped him. As they, the they, as they fly off into the distance, the Afghans and Shaw cheer, celebrating their victory. But wait. We cut back to the cockpit where that this plane ain't making it far. They're running out of fuel. Mm-hmm. Slowly the engines die as they're over the mountains. There's nowhere to land this bad boy. It's it's going down. Bond tells Kara to get into the Jeep and put on her seatbelt. He opens up the back of the plane releases a parachute and the jeep is pulled out at the last second that they're overground causing it to safely land before the plane explodes into the side of a mountain which is kind of funny because i'd have to go back and rewatch the scene but from the way i watched it the plane was lower to the ground when the jeep came out of it but then when the plane crashed into oh, the mountain absolutely. it was higher absolutely yeah <laughs> so yeah. you could have like, hmm, just work? landed the plane where they were you know exactly but it's a bond movie we forgive simple things like that okay <laughs> so bond and car are at an intersection to karachi pakistan where bond knows a great place for dinner in karachi and they drive off from here we cut to good old felix Leiter communicating with bond about whitaker and koskov's location in their mansion bond is infiltrating he's sneaking up 
there's a guard he's he's got he's got Felix in his ear you know telling him the location he takes out the guard and Felix wishes him luck going in because I guess they lose communication once he's inside the mansion Bond infiltrates and sneaks up on Whitaker as he's playing with his museum toys they have a converse, brief conversation back and forth of standoff if you will and Whitaker takes this opportunity to distract Bond with his secret drawer full of goody weapons that we saw earlier in the movie and they mm -hmm. fight Whitaker is activating remotely activating his toys left and right to flush out Bond using them as distractions pretty cool little fight scene like little cat and it mouse where, really where one person's hiding one person's hunting Bond being the one that's hiding but he's you know he's Bond so he can get away with it Bond, well, he's he's being very tactical. Yes, he, he's not standing out in the open while being exactly. shot at by like crazy machine guns. That's right. Um, <clears throat> a man who obviously has his superior firepower to him. Mm -hmm. Bond uses his ex the explosives in his keys to blow up a statue as Whitaker walks by, trapping him underneath of it and killing him. Just in time, General Pushkin shows up. Saving Bond from guards that were busting into the room. And Koskov is, is there too. Koskov just comes in out of nowhere thanking the general for, for showing up. He's being he's been kept here for weeks. You know, he's distraught. This, so that, glad that he's thing. alive. Exactly. Attempting to fool the general, but the general knows better. He plays along for a moment. And it's like, Koskov, we'll get you back to we'll get you back to Moscow. Don't you worry. But we'll get you he says something like We'll get you, you know. I forget exactly, how, but it's essentially he just he makes a comment about, oh yeah, put him in the plane to, yeah. to go back home, a, but put him in like this section. Meaning a, he's a yeah. criminal. He's not as a prisoner. He's not, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you don't get the luxury suite heading home. That's right. But Bond brings up Kara. What about Kara? And the Russian Pushkin's like, she's a defector too. And you think, oh man. General Pushkin, Kara, you're gonna you're gonna imprison Kara. She did nothing but she did nothing but good this whole movie. But he looks to Bond and goes, "She's a defector too." So tell me, what should we do about her? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. trust me, she'll be fine. So Bond and the general share a nice little chuckle, and we cut to Kara performing with her bullet hole cello. Yes. <laughs> At a concert hall in jelly old England. After her performance, M introduces her to Russian M, who we've seen in so many I know. Other movies. I was so glad when he came back. I was like, M and Russian M. <laughs> General something. Green. I don't remember what his name is, but who is yeah. currently working for the immigration department and has set her up with a visa so she can come and go as she pleases. She's very happy with this news. And out of nowhere, the Afghans and Shaw come in to greet Kara, apologizing for missing their performance. They got held up at the airport, and in goes, I wonder why. And they're all, like, covered in, like, their Strapped uh, in weapons bullets, and weapons, and everything else. <laughs> I, I like the fact that they brought him back for that. That was really cool. It's yeah. like, hey, we helped you in Afghanistan, so, like, they show their support by coming to the concert. That's like, right. That's right. I, I thought that was really cool how they came back. <laughs> Um, Kara and Shaw wonder where Bond is, and M says that he's on assignment. Kara sadly excuses herself to a dressing room where she goes in. She's getting ready to cry, and she sees two martini glasses. Shaken, not stirred, mind you. And whistles, triggering Bond's keys, knowing that he's in the room. They embrace, they kiss, 
and they fall behind the dressing barrier. And this is the first time we have implied Whoopi in the whole right. movie before right. we the cut uh, before we cut to credits. And then the credits roll. That's right. And I like to point out, like always, very disappointingly, that what do we see at the end of the credits? James Bond will return. <laughs> but it's okay. I know the next movie, so I will fill in the blanks, guys. <laughs> the next movie is A License to Kill. That's right. Also another Dalton movie, if I remember correctly. This will be his second. His second uh, and final did... Dalton movie. Yes, because yes, he only did two. Yes. So that is <clears throat> our movie. Uh, the Living Daylights, which now that we're at the end of this, I thought was a really good movie. I really enjoyed it too. I, I, really I enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. Um, I was kind of a little worried going into it because it was a different feel uh, for this Bond movie. It wasn't that to me. It wasn't that lighter, like comical type Bond. Like there was still a good Bond. I don't want to say it was a darker Bond, <clears throat> although it, it just had a more like we were talking earlier a serious feel to it. Um, it was a lot. But still, more was a, really good. It was a lot more of a serious action movie than a campy action movie. Like some exactly. Of the previous yes. ones have been. Um, but I mean, I think Dalton did a good job with Bond as far as, you know, you had the spy, he did a lot of the spy tactics, he had some of the gadgets, you know, Q had the car and also, I mean, it all around felt like a good, good Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I very much agree. Uh, but I mean, with that, do you want to jump into trivia? It's trivia, trivia, trivia time. Da-da-da. I still think back to last week where I screwed up the intro. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, welcome to trivia time for the Living Daylights. Trivia number one Timothy Dalton was originally chosen to play Bond in this film, but had to a pass initially because of a role he was committed to to film Brenda Starr. But so they so they went to Pierce Brosnan. But when Pierce Brosnan was forced to pull out because of his contract with Remington Steel, this delay um, allowed Dalton to finish filming his work on Brenda Starr and take on the role of the new James Bond. Nice. <clears throat> so Pierce Brosnan and Timothy Dalton, in a, in a different universe, Timothy Dalton could have never have been Bond. Had so contracts for Remington uh, Steel had not gone through. It would have been Pierce Brosnan all the way through the late 80s and early and, and, and 90s. And so um, he would have had two extra movies on his belt, which probably would have changed him in the ranking too then. Yeah, yeah. Once we get to that point. But it's always nice to have some diversity, and Dalton is you know good, as we've said. So, um, mm-hmm. Fact number two, Joe Don Baker, who played Whitaker, will go on later to play CIA agent Jack Wade in GoldenEye and Tomorrow Never Dies. Along with Charles Gray and Walter Gotell, Baker was one of th- one of the three actors to play separate roles as both an adversary and an ally of Bond. Interesting. Number three, at one point during filming, the film was intended to be a prequel. The film was originally supposed to end with Bond being given his mission for Dr. No. Oh. <laughs> Because you notice at the beginning, it's kind of like Bond becoming Bond. You know, it's like yeah, well, I, I got the feel, and I think that's yeah. why I reference it to Daniel Craig's block because yes. that's kind of how Daniel Craig's got into Bond. That's right. As far as his story between the movies mm-hmm. with Casino Royale, so I, I think that's why I was getting that 
more serious feel uh, like feeling of Dalton as Bond. Um, Christopher Reeve, AKA Superman himself turned down a million dollar offer by producer Albert Broccoli to play Bond in this film. Had he accepted, he would have been the only American as of 2018 to play the role. So Superman could have been James Bond. That would have been interesting. That would have been interesting because Christopher Reeve was good. Um, <clears throat> next fact, the agent scene during the open, opening sequence, 002, 004, and 007, um, where 00, 002, 004, and 007, I think I mentioned that at the beginning anyway. Oh, yeah, um, yeah the, the other 002. Yeah, yeah, but during this scene, Timothy Dalton actually performed the open, opening sequence on top of the fast-moving land rover going down the side of the Rock of Gibraltar. So he was actually the one performing that stunt. That was Tim Oh, nice. Instead of like a stunt double or yes, something like that. Yes, um, The casting of Frederick Warder and Glenn Baker as 004 and 002 was intentional due to their resemblance to George Lazenby and Roger Moore. Uh, you know, I didn't pick up on that. Yes. like Because well, I mean, like that scene, like it just kind of like, run through it real quick so i was like jotting notes as i go i did not uh, do a double take mm -hmm. on those yeah they, they did look very similar to them um uh they were casted for their resemblance because the writers wanted to toy with the audience expectations for which of the double agents was bond <laughs> nice nice that's why there's that reveal because you never see 007's face until all of the, both of the other two agents are dead Mm -hmm. And then it cuts to Timothy Dalton's face. Um, this movie features the only deliberate nude scene in any of the, in the entire James Bond film franchise um, outside of opening title sequences. Um, and this was when the, you know, strip naked of, of Pushkin's yeah, girlfriend. Pushkin's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, next fact, this is the first appearance of Felix Leiter in the official Bond franchise since live and let die in 1973 it has hasn't it mm -hmm. i know it's been a while because yeah. they've referenced felix in a few other movies that's what i'm thinking no he's not even referenced in any of them live and let die roger moore's first movie is the last time he was in or referenced really? yeah but yeah that's that that was that been a long time since we've gotten some felix um, Glad to see Felix is back. That's right. Next fact. This was originally proposed as a reboot for the James Bond franchise, but the idea was dropped until it was taken up again with Casino Royale in 2006. So Casino Royale is an official reboot of the James Bond franchise. Yes. As and it makes perfect sense. I mean, as we know, we, I mean, for those that have seen it, at least it's obviously a reboot. Um, <clears throat> next fact, the container allegedly carrying a human heart is labeled handle like eggs, which are the same instructions that were written on the nuclear missiles in Thunderball. I did not notice that <laughs> one. Uh, Sean Bean was considered to take over the role as James Bond as well during, you know, for this film. He will go on later to play the villain Alec Trevlin in Goldeneye, which Ooh. I am very excited to, for us to get to GoldenEye, both to find out where that movie ranks on the list and where specifically mm -hmm. Alec Trevlin ranks as a villain. Next, next fact. This is the first time James Bond drives an Aston Martin since George Lazenby's On Her Majesty's Secret Service. 
It's been a while. That's right, because there was that uh, Lotus kick for mm-hmm. a while for um, for, for Moore's more, movies. Yeah. Yep. Um, final fact: This is the last Bond film as of 2012 to carry a rating of PG. So everyone going after this is at least PG-13. Ah, did not know mm-hmm. that. And that is it for trivia time. Yeah, so I really like this movie. Rankings time. Um, we talked about this previously, just to kind of give us an idea of where we were both at. This one is a good movie. Mm-hmm. Well, let, you want to do the? You want me to read off the list first? Yeah, let's let's go off the list yeah. and. Uh, see where what we got ahead of us now so the list is as follows number one from russia with love number two you only live twice number three the spy who loved me number four thunderball number five for your eyes only number six on her majesty's secret service number seven goldfinger number eight dr no number nine a view to a kill number 10 the man with the golden gun number 11 octopussy number 12 Moonraker, number 13, Live and Let Die, number 14, Diamonds Are Forever. Yes, they are. All right, so like we've said before, this movie was a good movie all around. I liked that it had a a, a good story. I mean, um, it wasn't like jumping all over the place. It had a nice um, beginning to end flow. Uh, as far as Bond goes, there was a nice mixture of spycraft and gadgets because you know I've mentioned this multiple times. Mm-hmm. You know I like both. I don't like necessarily one more than the other because I think a Bond should have both in these types of movies. Um, the villains, maybe not as strong to me in this movie, but the plot of the villains we talked about earlier was a good plot, mm-hmm. um, similar to other movies we've seen. So in all in all, I think it's a well-rounded movie. It was different. Um, it had a little bit more of a serious feel, a little bit more actiony feel to it, uh, setting it apart from like the other types of movies. But if you look at the, like I said, the overall story and everything else, I thought it was still pretty well-rounded to the point where it was a good movie that deserved to be, you know, somewhere at least in the middle to higher parts of this um, this ranking list. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, I mean, this one honestly probably surprised me um more than any of the other ones so far as far as uh, it, it, i think we're gonna uh, i would put this higher than i would have expected going into watching it um I, i'd agree with you on that one yes yeah i mean I, I i really enjoyed this and like i said we like like you said we talked about this briefly before the show um and it was a tough decision to, tough decision to make <clears throat> So this was this actually as of this point this is actually going kind of in the middle of the list. I, I thought it was because yeah. I know our top you, like you mentioned before the top seven are solid, our top man. seven are They're strong really yeah solid movies. Um, um, and being that we're only what this is our fifteenth movie so we're only mm-hmm. fifteen in. I figured to be kind of at the moment kind of in the middle of the list exactly. Um, so I think I mean we've got Doctor No at number eight. We've got um, Goldfinger at number seven. I, you and I talked. I don't think it's better than Goldfinger. No, no. But I, I think we mentioned Doctor No as much as I personally like Doctor No, because mm-hmm. um, it was a good type of movie. And it's funny being that this was originally talked about being a prequel to Doctor yeah. No. That actually yeah. makes this a little bit harder, but also funny at the same time. 
I felt like Dr. No was a good old fashioned spycraft filled movie, mm-hmm. which I really liked. But one of the things we had mentioned is that that one had a slower pace, yeah. uh, which I think did good in the delivery of that old school spycraft type of movie that kind of drew you in as the, for the mystery. Mm-hmm. But as far as the overall like action packed, this one's got a little bit faster pace. It flows better. Um, and like the double cross with Pushkin, not Pushkin, I'm sorry, uh, Yogi uh, or Koskov, Co- whatever you want to call yeah. him. Uh, all that was good as far as the um, the the plot. Uh, now, granted, this wasn't one of those, hey, I'm trying to take over the world type plots. Bond's got to stop it. It's more just kind of like these are bad guys trying to make money, you know, make yeah. money and sell weapons and just regular gun trade, that kind of thing. So they weren't as powerful on the, the villain side of the plot. But I think it was well-rounded, a little bit faster paced, and I think it kind of could be neck-to-neck with Dr. No, mm-hmm. but just because of the, the better flow, I think we kind of were talking about how it could be slightly better, yeah. just, just but barely. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I think that settles it, man. I mean, you, you basically wrapped it up. So it's it's in between Goldfinger and Dr. No, number eight. I think that's a good place for it for right now. I mean, like I said, it's the top seven are solid, mm-hmm. and it's hard to – to kind of jump into the top seven. So, I mean, that I think the right outside of the seven would be a good place to put it. Jumping into that top seven, I'm curious how that happens once we, once we get to GoldenEye. Uh, yeah, I'm more my, curious. My personal in, list, in that one's pretty high up there. GoldenEye? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm excited to go back and rewatch it, you know, fresh with you know, the Bonds mm-hmm. um, in review backing me on this one and, and based off of the, what I remember of it from, yeah. you know, a kid growing up. But we're not at GoldenEye yet. So the final ranking is as follows. Number one, From Russia With Love. Number two, You Only Live Twice. Number three, The Spy Who Loved Me. Number four, Thunderball. Number five, For Your Eyes Only. Number six, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Number seven, Goldfinger. Number eight, The Living Daylights. Number nine, Dr. No. Number 10, A View to a Kill. Number 11, The Man with the Golden Gun. Number 12, Octopussy. Number 13, Moonraker. Number 14, Live and Let Die. Number 15, Diamonds Are Forever. 15 down, 10 to go. (laughs) I'm so excited. All right. So that now brings us over to our lovely villain list. And I'll tell you this. I know I'm going to start splitting these uh, these villains up because I've already decided the Milkman should be like up at the top with red. <laughs> but the other two could be at the bottom. <laughs> Koskoff. Yeah. Koskoff and Whitaker are going to be at the bottom. Uh, Pushkin and I don't count as a villain because although he was portrayed as the villain, it, it reminds me of... Um, oh, I can't remember the other guy's name. Um, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> it reminds you of. Give me more to go off of. Give me a sec. Give me more to go off of. Uh, I'm trying to think of the what's his name. The um, we're talking from Octopussy. No, no, no. The other one where um the the villain. I should have it right here on my list because he was the villain. Uh, Christosos. Christosos, gotcha. But it was the other guy that Christosos kept. Um, portraying as the bad guy yeah uh, um, in that movie christosos made the other guy Dr- look like Dr- he was Dr- the bad guy Dr- when, something like yeah. that yeah and christosos was the actual bad yeah. guy so i don't count pushkin as a villain because no. 
Pushkin would have been the other Drakoff or whatever is and, the other guy. How can was. you? I can't remember. How can you be mad at John Reese? John Reese. You Spades? really can't. You can't. Even if he was the villain, I would not no, be mad at him no. in this movie. Uh, so obviously, I don't count him on the villains. <laughs> I only count um, Yogi, Milkman, and Whitaker. Yes, those are our, mm. our three villains, or villains and henchmen, as, as mm-hmm. you may speak. Uh, so I'm going to put Milkman at the top, just like you know, it's a split red up. Red still at the top. Red's not down on the bottom list. Just the Russian general. He was a good uh, henchman, but, uh, but dude, these these have got to be lower on the list. Oh no, they, mean, yeah, they definitely are. <laughs> the plan we, was we great. Like the, I love the whole plan. I love the whole, you know, illusion, faking, defecting to kind of get England to fight on your side against your boss. Basically, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that that whole back and forth and. As we've said, Milkman was basically Hitman. Yeah, you know so, he, had I mean, some, he was a good henchman. He had some really cool scenes, but um, overall, it just it just I, they they weren't great. So, what are our bottom ones? Well, let me do this. Let me actually go over our villain list currently oh, before yes, I switch yes. it, because <laughs> uh, I kind of skipped that part. So, number one is Goldfinger and Ajab from Goldfinger. Number two is still number two from Thunderball. Uh, number three is Stromberg and Jaws from The Spy Who Loved Me. Number four is Christasso's, uh Locke and Eric from uh, For Your Eyes Only. And not my co-host, Eric, the different <laughs> Eric. Um, number five is Zorn and Mayday from A View to a Kill. And for those listening, Red's up there too. <laughs> and then I have number six, the Spectre General and Red from uh, Russia with Love. He's really at number five. Uh, number seven is Drax and Jaws from Moonraker. Number eight is Blowfield uh, from You Only Live Twice. Nine, Scaramanga and Nick Knack from The Man with the Golden Gun. Ten is Kanaga, Claw, and Baron from Live and Let Die. Eleven is Dr. No, self-titled movie. Uh, Twelve is Blowfield, Wit, and Kid from Diamonds Are Forever. And thirteen is Blowfield from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And at fourteen, we have Khan and Gobinda from Octopussy. I feel like they were not strong villains, even though they had a strong henchman. The plot was good, but the villain, like even with the double cross type deal coming from uh, Yogi or whatever, I I just don't feel like they were strong villains in this movie. I mean, granted, the villain plot was a good plot, but still not super strong either. They were better than Kalego Bender, though. Oh yeah, I mean, I liked him better. Like I liked Khan as like the mysterious kind of villain, but I think. Yogi um, did a better job just because, I mean, he not just, you know, kind of portrayed who he was working with um, or portrayed Pushkin or whatever. Mm -hmm. He, like, portrayed everyone. You know, he fooled the English government, the Russian government, you know, did all of this. By by Uh, basically playing dumb. Exactly. And and so although he was not a good villain, he, he did play the the part very well as far as the double cross and all that stuff. I'm curious because the more we talk about this, I mean, granted, you know, I I thought they were weak, but I know how poorly you thought because the next person on the list is um, Blowfield from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And I know how poorly you you felt about him. I just, I I think a lot of that villain like the more i think back on it is i just didn't feel like even though he was blowfield because i know that movie was kind of out of place in in the series and i was 
referring to that blowfield, comparing him to the other blowfields, he just did not seem like a strong blowfield. So at the time, I wanted him on the bottom of the list because I just did not feel he was a good blowfield villain. Um, I think he was still a good villain. I think that that one still had a good plot. So, I, like looking back, I give him a little bit more credit than I did originally, mm-hmm. uh, especially with you know hypnotizing the girls mm-hmm. yeah. and trying to send them out. Like it was a good story plot. So you would, you and would he still, was very you would still clever. Put him above Costco. I think, I think I would. Um, yeah, I think I would keep him above. Like the more I think back, the more is he was a little bit stronger villain. I just did not like him as far as the comparisons of the three different blowfields we had up to that mm-hmm. point. Like at that point he was bottom of the list because I didn't like him as a villain compared to the other um blowfields. He was just the weaker blowfield to me, but he was still a decent villain because he had a strong yeah. plot. I mean he had it was well done. Uh he wasn't like diabolical like to the point where like you know like um Watkins was. Yeah. But I, I think he was solid enough that he just had a better plot as far as a villain, and he portrayed that villain a little bit better than uh, Koskoff did. I gotcha. Well, I mean, I, 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 I probably would personally put him, put him above. I don't, well, I don't know. I mean, they'd still be low on. They'd be low on my list either way. So, <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think that. Uh, I think that. I think that settles it. So they would be above Khan and Gobinda, right? But yes, below. Yeah, so th- Blowfield from on Her Majesty's Her Majesty, yeah. Okay. So they would take the new fourteen uh, gotcha. spot, gotcha. moving uh, Khan and Gabinda <clears throat> down to number fifteen. So, all right. If that's an agreement, then we are starting with current list one Goldfinger nod job from Goldfinger. Um, number two is number two from Thunderball. Three is Stromberg and Jaws from The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, four is Cascasos, Locke, and Eric from Your Eyes Only. Five is Zorn and Mayday from A Few to a Kill, and secretly to me, uh, Red as well. But officially, we have Red Inspector General at number six from from Russia with Love. Seven is Drax and Jaws with Moonraker. Uh, eight is the first Blowfield that I liked. So that you only lived twice. <clears throat> Nine is Graminga and Knickknack from The Man with the Golden Gun. Ten is Kanaga, Claw, and Baron from Live and Let Die. Eleven is Doctor No from his own movie. Twelve is Blowfield Wit and Kid from Diamonds Are Forever. 13 is the least of my favorite blowfields from Warner Majesty's Secret Service, but still decently placed. 14 is now, and I'm going to put this in reference, although I will correct their names in my notes, Yogi, Whitaker, and the Milkman. <laughs> Yo- from the Living Deadlights. Yogi Dead and the Milkman. Yogi and the Milkman, yes. Um, then we have, at the new 15 spot, Khan and Gumbinda from Octopussy. And that is our villain list. And that pretty much wraps up this movie. So this was good. Like I've said multiple times, I'm, I'm excited for the next one to get another Dalton movie in under the under like on the books. But I'm super excited for Brosman. Like I'm excited to get into Golden Night, and now that we know about the villain and all that, like I, I'm super excited. We're getting there. Uh, little by little, you know, it feels like next week might be the new Daniel Craig. So we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um. But with that, it was a good movie. I hope everyone else enjoyed it. Uh, Eric, I'll let you uh, run the outro. Yep, yep. Ladies and gentlemen, if you liked what you listened to on this episode of The Living Daylights, Friday Films Bond in Review, featuring the new Bond, for now at least, Timothy Dalton. If you like what you listen to on this episode, don't forget you can follow us on any social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Who Do Presents. 
Best way to share your current ranking list with us. Best way to share your favorite Bonds, your favorite villains, and everything in the James Bond universe. Your favorite Q gadgets, if you will. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Love the Q gadgets. That's right. That's right. Also, if you're a longtime listener of Friday Films and you haven't had a chance to listen to our flagship show, Random Rambling, we just hit our 52nd episode. So it's been a year been already. a year of random rambling, and trust me, Friday Films will be right alongside it, I'm sure, in the future. Oh, um, yeah. But if you haven't had the chance to listen to random rambling, definitely check it out. Um, with that said, back to you, Jordan. All right, everyone. Uh, we hope you enjoyed. We'll hope you join us next week with uh, License to Kill, the second of adult movies, uh, like Eric said. Um, short, brief visit. So Brosman's around the corner, but we're going to enjoy it while we're here. And... With that, again, this is Eric and Jordan. Until next time, let the credit roll.